Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Roostrock. I'm here with author Andrew Mann. Welcome. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me on. Now, you have this wonderful book out. It really brings to light the opioid crisis that's going on. You want to go a little bit into what this book all covers? Sure, sure. I um, yes, like like you said, it covers um, the opioid crisis. But I had um, suffered from a horrible uh, opioid addiction for many years, and I had sort of been through the whole system of rehabs. And you know, I got to see what was wrong with what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. And um, when I finally was able to beat this and overcome it. I had a few people that I had talked to, um, even parents of addicts that had died or parents of addicts that had children that were suffering through it or other people that were suffering through it had come and they would talk to me and they would say, you know, you really should write a book because what you're telling us is really helping us. And um, so I thought about it and I, I remember for I was seeing a counselor one time and I wrote down a few pages, a few paragraphs, and she, she said the same thing. She said, you know, you could really help people out if you wrote this down, what you went through and how you got through this because there's so many people suffering. And so basically that's what I did. Um, I started off in the very beginning of what my life was like and what I believe led me into this addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I suffered through a very, um, uh, there's no other way to put it, abusive childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me to anxiety and depression. And I went and I saw a psychiatrist about that. And I get into that in the book. And, you know, I got put on the typical antidepressant and anti-anxiety medicine. And I never really looked at what the real problem was. So it just kept progressing. And I, I experimented with alcohol and marijuana and in high school. And it just, just got worse. So eventually I found opiates and, um, you know, and that's where the real hell began, and it just took me to some awful places. Um, and I get into it in the book. I, I describe how how bad my life became. I mean, I went mm-hmm. from the very two extremes in society to being a, a homeless person on the street of Camden, New Jersey, which is about the worst place in the United States you would want to be. Um, right. We and, we hear a lot about Camden. Oh yes, it's a it's a it's a sad area. Um, I mean, if you're a drug addict, it's kind of a paradise. Um, but you know, that's really the only positive that comes out of there. For and that's not really a positive, but you know, that's sadly what it's become. It's really a city that's been allowed to destroy itself from and I mean it's it's really a nightmare I think for the amount of people they have the highest murder rate and it's really a nightmare but um so I ended up there and basically through some people I believe were angels I really do they uh, helped me get off the streets of Camden get help and turn my life around and um that is basically the the gist of the book without getting into too much more, but I um, yeah. I wanted it to I wanted people to see that if I could do this, someone that was as bad as I was, 
-hmm. because I really feel there's not too many people that were, and people will see that in the book, as bad into their addiction as I was. If I was able to beat this, anyone can beat this. And, And that's really what I've heard. I heard from a girl that was like, you know, she thought she was, she said she was thinking about committing suicide because she could not, she never thought she could beat it. And then she's like, I read your book, and if you can do this, I know I can do this. And, and that was that felt awesome. That's better than, you know, that's really what I wanted to hear. And um, so I'm just trying to get the book out there to as many people because this is such a big problem out there. And, oh, this um, is a horrible problem. I mean, oh, absolutely. I... I learned from watching others, so I never got into the illegal, the opioids or anything else. I learned by watching family members, friends, and everything else go down that road. Sure. But but watching them as an outsider go, why don't you get help? I don't understand it because I am not in their shoes. I don't understand. But at the same time, they've been through counseling. They've been through rehab centers. They've been through everything. I'm like, okay, let me step back. I can't be in your shoes because I've never been there. But is there something in your head that says, okay, is it time I want to change? Because that's my big thing is you have to want to change to begin with. Exactly. And it had to, yes, um, a, a woman that interviewed me a couple of weeks ago, uh, her husband was a doctor, and um, he got into this. And he became a horrible addict, lost everything, lost his medical license, and ruined their marriage. And she really wanted to ask me, you know, that exact same question is, you know, why didn't he want to what had that why couldn't he just get this after he went to a rehab or knew it was wrong why couldn't he get this and Mm -hmm. she thanked me because she said once i read your book she's like i was able to really start to understand it because she's like she couldn't understand okay you went to the rehab why would you go back once you were clean why would you ever go back to it and um i tried to make that as clear as possible that it really, it, there was a combination of things that had to happen for me. Mm-hmm. I had to have been through enough pain because the addiction was so strong. I believe most of the people I've met that are addicts, there is something, the addiction is really a symptom of something that's going on inside of them. They have a hurt or something that needs to be fixed that is deeper than the addiction. And if they just remove the drugs and don't fix that initial problem inside of them, they're going to want to go back to it. And so my suggestion is if someone wants to get drug-free and stay that way, not just remove the drugs, is to, once you get clean and go to a rehab, is to search and find that thing inside of you that caused you to use in the first place, whether it's post-traumatic stress, abuse, or whatever you've been through that has caused you to not be able to to use a substance addictively, that is what needs to be fixed. I mean, we find addicts, I'm going to use this a very loose term, from being child abused, from being in abusive relationships, to being 
military veterans, unfortunately. Um, Correct. They, they make a big part of this because back, let's see, Vietnam to Desert Storm, here's, here's opioids, here's painkillers, here's pills. We're not dealing with the pain. I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they started doing the mental health to try to find other things. But that made up a lot of the addictions. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's statistics. That's black and white statistics. Agreed. Absolutely. So, I mean, no. there, we have to look at the whole thing, not just, okay, we're going to take away this element, this chemical element. Well, what's the trigger? There's always right. a trigger to everything. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's why the drug, what I, what I noticed, why there's such a failure rate with the rehabs, the way they're set up. It's, it's great to remove the drugs, but you're putting that same person who had all those problems at the beginning back into the world in 30 days, and they haven't worked on what caused them to use in the first place. Yes, you remove the drugs. That's great. I'm not saying that's wrong or anything like that. They did a good job, but you put that same person, okay, say that person has dealt with horrible childhood sexual abuse, and they've got those problems, they've got anxiety, they've got depression from it, and they've never tried to heal themselves and work through that. Well, okay, you remove the drugs, they leave the rehab, now they're back, they still have that inside of them that they haven't dealt with, or if they have PST or PTSD, you know, mm -hmm from being in combat, you haven't dealt with healing that and you just send the person back, the chances of them staying clean are so, I mean, it's like 1%. And that yeah. was the success ratio that the rehabs were having. It was under 3% that they claim. And I think it's less than that. But, I mean, any other business that had a 3% success ratio would be, oh, my, hey, you know, they're a failure. But right. they put it all. It's better than nothing. But that that really is my goal is to try to start my own rehab eventually. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to try to help people. I want to use different types of therapies to work on what's wrong inside of them, like animal therapy. I've seen mm -hmm. animals have such a healing effect on people that have. Um, PTSD from whatever it is, from abuse or whatever, uh, and other outlets to try to heal the person, not just remove the drugs. And exactly. I think that would be such a more successful model. Animals are very keen to pick up to help heal. Dogs, cats, horses are among the leading therapy animals. Now, there's you yes. can have a therapy animal that's a chicken. Yeah, you can. It's possible. It depends on what the person relates to. If the person relates more to the chicken than the dog, then they're going to connect with that chicken. I'm just being a little silly, but at the no, same you're time, exactly right. You're 100 percent right. That was, um, you know, I agree with you. It, it's we have to find something that works for the individual, not for the masses, because each individual case is different. I mean, you can have yep. one individual that went through one traumatic experience, 
and decided, okay, they started off here, they started, then they went to drinking, then they went to the soft drugs like marijuana that's legal in most states now, or a lot of states, and right. then went from that to, hey, this isn't killing my pain, whatever that pain is, so then they go to the opioids right. or the harder drugs. Exactly. Or you have it, the person that has compound issues. They could have a physical pain on top of emotion pain from 30 years ago. Who knows? Each right. case is different. You're exactly right. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and that's the way it's been treating, and that's why you know, we have more people dying every year um, from this than the whole Vietnam War in this country. Again, that's statistics. It's a staggering statistic that we don't talk about. We go... And it's a shame because yeah. there's a lot of good people that are dying up from this. We, we look Families at it that are as... Torn apart. Yeah. We go, okay, it's tearing the family's apart. This per- person is just a no good person. They're on the streets. They could change at any time. Well, mentally, no, it doesn't work that way. Right. right. A, you have exactly. to start with the person. The person want, has to want to change. Right. And then from there, we have to find a way to help the person change. Correct. Yes, you're 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 ahead of the the curve thinking. The whole war on drugs and just throw someone in jail and that'll make them better and is just a simple-minded solution to a much more complex problem. And it's done nothing. It's, it's only, all, all it's done is made a few drug lords in South America super billionaires and brought all this pain and destruction into the United States. Right. And it's time that we really need to think about things differently. I mean, it's, you'd have okay. to be on drugs to think the war on drugs is working. <laughs> so it's... <laughs> It's really, I mean, um, then you add in the, they have, what what is that medicine that takes you off the opioid, but basically you're just trading, trading one narcotic for another one? Yeah, they have um, they have a new one now, Suboxone, uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, which is the new popular one that they're doing, um, which is... A temporary solution. It's still not looking at the, you know, uh, I guess it's better than them being on drugs, but it's not looking at what is behind the whole thing. Um, better than them being on street drugs, but it's still not getting to the the root cause of everything and healing this person. Right. It's like putting we're, a Band-Aid on. Right. That's all we're doing right now is band-aid fixes we're not actually fixing root causes if we spent right, half it's our financially in- not I, I mean i hate to say it but it's not financially um beneficial to get somebody to get better it really isn't they make money off the rehabs the jails the drug programs giving people these drugs okay they need me on suboxone for the rest of their life pharmaceuticals it's sad it's sad, but I see the financial incentive, uh, which is just disgusting, that we're more concerned of making a buck than people's lives. It's just 
I mean, it's evil. Um, but I think that's why it's been so slow. Right. It's capitalism at its finest. <laughs> it's worse. But yes, yes. I, I mean, what a, it is sad. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we can't have healthy people and still make a profit in the pharmacy pharmaceutical companies, which also runs your stocks a lot of times. Right, right. So, yeah, I get it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I so completely get it. But that's a but completely different show. But there are a there. lot of good people out there that are trying to help people. Um, you have no idea how many people have written to me about my book and just, you know, this helped me or... I know you'll be able to help people or you're doing a great thing. So there are a ton of people out there that I know there's the people that just want people to stay sick so they can make money. But there's a, also a huge group of this uh, people out there who want to help people and want things to get better. So I, I do have some hope. Yes. I mean, there's always people there that truly want to help and, if we can get the book out there, get the message yes. out there, that's the whole point yes. of this right now. We can get people to help start helping themselves. Correct. And when you start helping yourselves, then you're not dependent on the pharmaceutical companies. Right. Exactly. Because that's, that's what it's become. You... You, when you put yourself in this situation, you become uh, just something that the, the court system, the jails, the, the police, the judges, the pharmaceutical companies, the rehab just make money off. Right. You know, and and that's another thing. I would like my rehab to accept anyone because I've seen people that needed help that just don't have the money to get in, and um, it's sad, you know, and. Uh, I, I would like to either set it up as, you know, people could give donations. There could be scholarships for people that couldn't afford to get in. You know, their first goal should be helping have, people. Have you thought about, about doing a 501? I have, yes. I looked into it, um, and I really um, – I was, I was actually doing a, a radio interview in Seattle um, with a gentleman, and he suggested that. He said – you should start a GoFundMe page, start a 501c3. Um, it just takes a little while. I was looking up how to fill it out. Um, mm -hmm. It just takes a little while. But he had a friend that um, I think it's like nine months through the application process. Right. Um, and I, I really, yes, I want to do that um, because I, I do believe there are people out there that would donate to this kind of cause. Um, and it would help animals out too. I thought about sort of it doubling as an animal shelter, a no-kill animal shelter that yeah, can help because the then, Exactly. What's you that? take the animals into your therapy program until they get adopted, and they're there yeah. helping your clients. A hundred percent, exactly. And I think that would be great. I know there are people that would donate to that. I know there's a lot of good people out there that want to help people and animals. And, um, you know, I constantly listen to all new things that um, there's a woman that contacted me about this new it's like almost a rapid eye movement treatment for anxiety mm -hmm. um, that has had unbelievable success uh, and things like that that I would love to try to help people 
fix what was beyond the scenes, you know, and that's what my rehab would be aimed at, fixing them, getting them back, um, and maybe even giving them a few jobs at the helping the animal shelter, you know? Right. Well, so. when you get it hooked up, let me know, because there's a couple books from authors that I've had the pleasure of interviewing on the show. I think if you get them in the hands, because they're all self-help books, they're self-motivation, they're all stories how they overcame different parts of their lives, from homelessness to actually a few of them are from drug addiction. Oh, but wow. if you if you can get them to see that you have a personal story, but there's other that have brought themselves up from drug addiction, uh, alcoholism, homelessness, and a lot of them have turned their lives around and now are multimillionaires. Yeah. So it is yep. possible. Oh, they absolutely. need those good influences to see, yeah, are the person that made this foundation, because this is what it's going to be as a foundation when it's Correct. a 501C, um, went through this. He made this happen. He went through everything we're doing, and he made this happen. While there's others out there, if one can do it, okay, I'm motivated. Two can do it, and then you build a community. You're absolutely right. I uh, no, thank you. That's that. That's I can see it. I can see exactly what you know. That's how these things start. You know, all these foundations probably started with one person like me, and then now it's huge. Exactly. It it starts with one, or starts with me, and goes to I, then we, then us. It mm. starts out slow, but at the same time. We get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and it's there's such a need for this. You have no idea. I mean, there's so I know not that you have no idea, but they there's so many people that need help. Oh, I completely agree with you. I mean, this we talk about it as a U.S. problem. It's really not a U.S. Pro- problem. It's a global it's a problem. Worldwide. But at the same time, we we bring it to the U.S. and keep it local without looking at the worldwide effect of it. Sure, sure. So, and it is worldwide. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> I'm sorry, you can't look at different countries and say they don't have the same problem. No, they have the same problem. We just don't talk about it here in the U.S. You're right. You're absolutely right. Because even... we, I have a friend from Japan... And he said it's really bad even over there. But I, I never hear that here. Never. No, no. Uh, China. You're very right about that. That's I have friends in China, India, all through the Middle East. They talk about it all the time. I'm like, I don't hear that on our news. We don't ever hear it. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. You're right. But it is a global epidemic. Oh, yeah. So if we can get Absolutely. this started as a foundation here, then you have a blueprint that you can take a global. I, I would love that. 
and uh, you know, and even for helping the animals out globally. Mm-hmm. You exactly. know, that would be. I love animals. I've seen the healing power an animal has. Mm-hmm. Addiction becomes a very selfish disease, and when you have to take care of an animal, you have to be selfless, and it teaches you to be selfless. It also gives you love that can be healing. An animal can be so such an important part in healing a, a person with addiction. I know this because of my own experience. Mm-hmm. Animals so. have that you have to take care of the animal. The animal cannot take care of itself. Right. So you have to have that bond. Yep. And the love you get back from the animal is, is worth, you know, is such a, it shows you, um, you know, because a lot of people in addiction haven't had very loving um, families. I've met people that, you know, have not had families that ever told them they love them or hug them, or, you know. And so when they have an animal, an animal loves you unconditionally. That unconditional love can be healing. And and I get into that in my book. I talk about a woman who, um, you know, really was, she's amazing, um, but you know, sort of loved me unconditionally when I didn't even love myself. And the healing power that had over me was unbelievable. Exactly. It, it's You have to have the right people around you in order to heal. If you exactly. go back to a negative environment, you're not going to heal. Right. You may no. have to cut out people that you've known your entire life just to heal yourself. Correct. And, you know, that's another thing with my foundation. I would let people live there. I would set it up that they could live there afterwards if they needed to for six months or even a year, you know, until they really felt strong enough to be on their own. Um, Because just going back to around the same people, the same environment right away, it's just, the the way we have things set up right now, it's so crazy. We're just mm-hmm. wasting billions and billions of dollars for just giving people like a pit stop to go back and use again. And a lot right. of these people are overdosing because they get out of the rehab and they don't have a tolerance. They go use their same amount and they die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just so wrong and someone needs to do something about it. I just... Um, you know, that would be great. If someone would donate to me, I would, some billionaire decided to back it, I would start one of these in every single state and every country I could. Well, set up the GoFundMe, send me the link, and I'll put it on the links for this uh, interview. Okay, great. At at least we can get it some traction. I can't guarantee who's going to hear it. There's... Thousand sure. people out there. I mean, I'm mean, Instagram is crazy. I have anywhere from a thousand to two thousand people listening to my videos within six minutes of me posting. I oh, can't wow. guarantee who's going to listen, but at least I can give them the information. I really appreciate that. You sound like such an awesome person. I'm, I'm glad we met. Please stay in touch. Without of course. It course and please as soon as you get the GoFundMe up there so we can get this 501c started let me know i will do that without a doubt sounds awesome and for all of our listeners again we can find this wonderful book on amazon and where else 
Um, it's on. You can find it on Amazon. Also, if you go, there's um, Barnes and Noble has it on their site. Um, Audible. You can listen to it on Audible if you'd like to. Because a, lo- a lot of people these days like to hear it. You can hear it on Audible. It's available on paperback and the Kindle edition. Um, but also, if you have a lot of people think if they don't have a Kindle, you can't read the online edition. Um, but currently, I have the book on sale for $0.99 cents for the online edition. If you have a computer, you can read the online edition. Um, I was doing a special. But since this radio program came out, I'll leave it for a couple more days for this exact program. So if anyone that hears this would like the online edition or if you have a friend that's um, an addict or a family member and think it would be helpful, um, I'll leave this for a few more days. I'll leave it at $0.99 so everyone can afford to get a copy, okay? Sounds awesome. And I thank you very much for... The title is Such Unfortunates by Andrew Mann, just so everyone knows. Yes. We'll have all the buy links up there with the interview, so it's awesome. So, listeners, if you know someone that's suffering from addiction, pick up the book. We might together have a solution. It's not going to be an overnight solution, but there might be hope. And, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was great. And have a wonderful day. You too. I know. Bye-bye.